We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into your Victory Friday as the Browns beat the Jets in the Hall of Fame game 21-16. The OBR staff is here with all the post-game coverage that was found on the OBR's Twitch channel, including player highlights, performance highlights, thoughts on the offense, and much more. Jam-packed again, OBR Film Breakdown, coming up now. What's up, guys? Checking in here following the Browns game. It's well past 1 in the morning. Your Browns beat the Jets. 21-16 Hall of Fame game came down to the wire. Pretty, you know, considering the circumstances and the weirdness of the lights and all of that in the second half, a pretty pretty fun finish uh, for the Browns in, in a game that they come from behind down 13 nothing to win. Uh, I'm going to share with you uh, the OBR's Twitch postgame show, largely because it's so late and recording something new is really challenging. And I think we actually, despite some of the shenanigans that happened in a postgame game. A show setting with four people and again there can be some shenanigans every now and again there are some points that I really wanted to make in the show uh, and kind of cover with you because you know when I watched it live there were very specific things I was paying attention to and I wanted to cover with you what I meant by those so in the post game show here you will hear all of those thoughts around the schematic stuff that I think matters the most what we take away the most from that performance so like I said a lot of that stuff will be covered an encouraging game you get my perspective, you get Brad Ward's perspective, Andrew Spade, and then you get Mike Keefe as well. We all go through our thoughts, players, up and down, and then just things that stood out to us uh, that, that are well worth covering from a depth perspective. And then, like I said, I, I delve deep into the scheme stuff that really caught my eye. So I think you'll enjoy this. You'll enjoy a Victory Friday. I'll have some film content up for you guys when you are around early in the morning. Hopefully around lunchtime we can get some stuff posted about performances that I thought mattered and why I think the run game stuff I illuminate in this segment uh, really matters the most coming from the offensive changes that we've been talking about for a lot. So enjoy the OBR's post-game coverage of the Browns' victory over the Jets at the Hall of Fame game. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to OBR's postgame coverage of the first preseason game of the 2023 season. We're calling this Game Zero, Game One. What are we calling this? It's the Hall of Fame game, right? It's the only game in yeah. town, so everybody watched the entire thing, even though it was not good football. Uh, and the Browns won. So uh, I'm joined by uh, Jake Burns, Mike Keefe, Brad Ward. Uh, the gang's <laughs> all here to, to stay up till midnight to talk about a preseason game. Uh, so excited to be here with you all again for another season. Um, I think let's just go around first uh, and just kind of take a second to talk about like the one thing that jumped out to you about tonight's game. It can be literally anything, including the fact that the lights were out for a while at uh, what used to be Fawcett stadium. Um, uh, Mike, uh, let's go to you first. I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm trying to be as rational as possible here. So with that in mind, I mean, they could save a lot of money if you just got rid of Deshaun Watson and played DTR right from the, right from yeah. the jump. I mean, yeah, like you're talking sense. What are we doing here? Mm-hmm. What are we doing? A, a quarter of a billion dollars when you could just, when you could just play DTR yeah. from These the jump. available for free. Jake, what about you? <laughs> yeah, I thought, I think the takeaway for me um, is as my microphones on the uh, We're doing it. We're doing it. Oh, this sounds a little better. Pre-game. There we go. Um, 
thing for me is I, I, I really enjoyed that they got down 14 nothing in like battle back. They, I felt like they really could have quit that game. And there was, I don't know if it was 14 nothing. I'm sorry, 13 nothing. And it kind of felt like they were stuck in the mud and they hadn't put together a drive yet. So I, I just enjoyed that. You know, it doesn't mean anything. None of this will ever matter, but it just uh, the general feel of fighting back and playing hard. And I felt like they did that tonight. And, you know, we can dig into the stuff that we'll dig into some of the finer details, but I thought the rookies played pretty well collectively mm-hmm. to talk about. And I also thought that they did uh, a really nice job sort of balancing some of the, the, the brain farts they had early in the game. I think some nerves for some guys were clearly in place. It, it, it was showing in some alignment issues that we'll talk about, but yeah, battle back played hard. They cleaned it up. They played a much better uh, last. What would you, I would say the last like three quarters of that game. Yeah. They significantly better than the jets. And that's, that's fun. That's good. That's what you want. You know, that's what you want. So none of these guys out there will really matter all too much to either team season, but the feel, the attitude, the way a team sort of plays together is something you do want to see about the vibe culture sort of stuff around your football team. So I think that that's good. You know, we wouldn't want to be up here if it was a 24 to six loss and you can make yeah. everything in the world, but they, they battled back and played hard. So that's what I take away from it. I like that. Yeah. If we had done this after the first quarter, we would have been much less fun to be around. Uh, Brad Ward, what about you? Uh, just first takeaway from tonight. Well, I I'd like to first say that I also cap casually am rock hard. Uh, and then secondly, I hope we do more of this. This is okay. mid fluff. I'm mid fluff at, at best. All right. All right. Sorry about that. Uh, no, really uh, from the um, uh, game, I actually, I'm going to stop complaining and asking about the third string running backs for a while, because nice. uh, between Kelly and Demetric Felton, uh, they both looked really good. Felton was explosive, quick. Uh, it was a, he was a nice surprise. I, I did not expect that from him. And Kelly is what he always is, uh, fantastic in the preseason, right? Like, uh, and looked good. So, um, you know, I've been asking that question and kicking that around and trying to stir that that topic up for some time. And I'm going to leave it alone for at least at least for a couple days or a week. Yeah. Yeah. Give them until next week at least. Yeah. Yeah. At least. And then also I'd like to say that uh, I thought Collinsworth uh, is an ass tonight and Mm -hmm. and he he upset me a little bit in the first half with his Mm -hmm. questioning of whether the Browns could uh, you know, whatever uh, Dick. And then, you know, and then as far as, as far as the last thing I'll comment at the end of the, uh, broadcast they showed chubb and garrett and and everybody who's wearing those black long sleeve shirts uh Mm -hmm. those are sharp i would like one of those the black long sleeve with the bright orange very nice Mm -hmm. i hope those are available to uh the fans (laughs) all right right, so so a handful of takeaways from everybody except for mike who did did follow my man i i I felt like i followed instructions yeah you got you got cheated on that one mike yeah Uh, no doubt i I mean, I'd love to sit here and talk about Joe Klecko's interview. What the hell was he talking about? Yeah, I was going to say, to talk about the broadcast, I'm pretty sure Chris Collinsworth said Kevin Stefanski at one point. He did. He definitely did. It caught me so so off guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been there for four years now, Chris. Come on, bud. Still not clear on his name. 
my my you know i think just an interesting thing that i th- felt like really played out over the course of this game is that the i know that there's some dynamic of this usually because the end of the roster guys are trying to make an impression but man some of the young players were really bringing a lot more energy on defense than the second stringers that were playing at the beginning of the game and i thought that was a noticeable change in terms of effort motor you know uh finishing plays hard all that sort of stuff and so you know, it, it. I think there's some element of guys wanting to make an impression, but I think there's also an element of when you're in the room for the first time with Jim Schwartz and you didn't ever have any of that Joe Woods stuff, I, I think maybe that's where that difference shows up a little bit more. And so some of those guys, it, it felt more like a Jim Schwartz defense in the second half, I guess is what I want to say, or yeah. at least it, it felt more like the type of defense that I hope that the Browns uh, put on the field this year um, a lot more physicality charlie thomas with a few hits that were just like you know sort of uh really uh, uh you know violent i guess is the only uh, only word to use so uh yeah i i think overall like i said uh you know it, 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 earlier a game that if you if we had been here at the end of the first quarter even at the, the at the half we would have probably been pretty bummed because you know Cade york had some struggles again and you know Kellen Mond doesn't look like, you know, an NFL quarterback to be, to be blunt. Uh, and, and Mike can take a victory lap on that one for sure. Uh, but I think, yeah, to, to Jake, to your point, they really turned it around in the second half. Um, so now I want to, I want to zoom out here, you know, now that we've kind of had a chance to, to just share a reflection, because I think that when we step away from this, what are the things that we're really taking away? Obviously Dorian Thompson Robinson playing well is cool but it's not going to change the 2023 season for the Browns, hopefully, right? Like it shouldn't matter that he's not. fun in the preseason. The, the the development that I really want to talk about that I think is actually going to matter for the Browns week one in, since, uh, in Cleveland against Cincinnati is what they were doing in the run game tonight. And Jake, this is something you were talking about during the game on Twitter, in our Slack. You you were watching this closely, so I want you to kind of explain the the sort of revelation uh, that the Browns sort of opened the door to tonight. So you, you try to simplify this as much as you can. So like as a core philosophical part of their run game, the, the like Kevin Stefanski comes from the, the um, uh, Kubiak tree coaching tree. So what he does is defined by like wide zone. So he's a big wide zone guy. Yeah. I picked up. There you go. Uh, he's a, he, like the, the baseline of stuff has been, and again, if you want to hear people articulate this stuff and talk about the Kubiak Shanahan ties, the play callers that Jordan Rodriguez did is a phenomenal five episode. The athletic really breaks it down on a baseline level to understand it. But what they do is they're, they're basically developed a system with a lot of stretched zone runs, wide lateral runs with play action off of that. And that's really the baseline for, for years now, as the NFL's defenses have caught up with that structure and have gotten better and better at defending it, I've been kind of clamoring for Kevin to work away from that. They needed to be, if they were in the gun, they were throwing almost all the time. And when they were in the gun, they were sort of limited to like three schemes. And that kind of drove me crazy because if the defense can eliminate so many things that you just don't do when you're in certain down and distances and when you when you have a quarterback either under center or in the gun, it really limits who you are as, a, as an offense. Like you can really only take it so far. So I would say that what I would, the kind of what I've been clamoring for is 
developing more gun run games. So last year, for example, I kind of looked up the numbers to have a talking point for everybody. The Atlanta Falcons ran inside zone, which is a very tight double team climb to linebackers, very narrow inside the tackle box system of run game, popular to the high school level. They ran that last year 304 times. They were first in the league. Philly ran it 221 times, second in the league. The Browns ran it 27 times all year. I could probably go back and get the last two years, and they'd be pretty damn similar in terms of that number. The only team fewer than them was Las Vegas. They ran it 25 times. Now, the Browns like to run, and they ran some of it tonight, some what's called pin pool, which is two two pullers looping around, sort of leading out to the edge. It's a a popular concept that they did uh, all the time last year. They they were third in the NFL at two-pull, pin-pull stuff, lateral from the gun. They ran it 93 times. That was basically the, the heart and soul of their shotgun run game. Now, you might ask, well, why do they need inside zone? Because off of inside zone, or some call it tight zone, depending on how they handle their, their you know name of, of concept, you have so many fun play-action wrinkles for a shotgun comfortable quarterback like Deshaun Watson. You have play-action, natural play-action. You have a tight zone what they call zone read where you're reading the backside end and you're leaking out off of that backside end run and quarterbacks can use their athletic ability to run so many fun RPO wrinkles that the Eagles run with Jalen hurts or teams of that nature. They've run it from inside zone baseline. The Browns tried to do some of it in that Texans game last year with Watson when he first emerged from the suspension, but it wasn't any kind of like they looked so uncomfortable running it. I'm going to tell you, I don't know. I'll have this information in the morning. I think they probably ran either inside zone or what's called split zone 15 times mm-hmm. tonight. Like mm-hmm. that, that was a huge part of now what they are. So I wrote about this before the game. What I'm trying to pay attention to is not so much player performance, which, you know, that, that helps and you, you figure it out, but who are they? They're, are they, they ran like 17 first half screens because they're kind of trying to stay away from giving away too much about who they are. Mm-hmm. And this, I'm telling you, is the most meaningful part of this game because all offseason people have talked about it's become it's picked up steam. I feel like, again, I don't toot our horn often, but I feel like we were some of the first people talking about this midseason last year. They need to develop more shotgun run game to give themselves answers to, th- to things that defenses are taking away. They have started to now to spend an entire offseason doing it. I think Musgrave has been a part of it when yep. they brought him in as an analyst. They've worked through it. They actually they were really smooth with it tonight and had some big runs using it. And I'll have all that data for everybody tomorrow. But like that's the stuff I wanted to see because yeah, DTR is fun and there's going to be guys like you know Austin Watkins and these players that pop up and that's great. But what the hell are they going to do in week one and beyond to become a different offense than what they have been? And tonight they showed you the foundation for what they're going to be offensively and how it's going to look different. People have talked about this. Oh, you know, the scheme's different. Well, what the hell do you actually mean? This is what I've been talking about. You didn't see RPO wrinkles. You didn't see quarterback run game naturally coming off of the stuff they're running. They just ran very vanilla tight zone. And it was so well, like, I'm like, oh man, you pair this now linebackers and DBs have to think about now edge players. Not only do they like to run pin pool and they're really effective with it, They also can run tight zone right down at our face, so we can't cheat to brace outside or work laterally because then they can just wall us off, double teams, climb to backers, and be a tight zone team that's really tough to defend. So it adds a huge wrinkle to what they are are going to be on offense and especially from the gun. So, like, 
That's what I love. And then you see teams say, okay, screw it. We're going to play man-to-man. You probably saw that really fun uh, crack pen pool run where I think it was, I don't know if it was uh, Hall or Felton in at that point, but they ran a tight bunch of trips. They know they're getting man-to-man. They send their three guys in that tight bunch into block pool, the backside guard lead around. There's nobody there. That's the thing that you want to see is defenses have to think more about what the heck they're doing from the gun and think about the advantages that come from that, not just in the run variations, but the pass wrinkles you can do off of that where you're just, hey, we're going to read that. Instead of worrying about that overhang, we're just going to read them and throw a slant behind him. That's all we're going to do. It's just it's just they've given themselves or showing away now that they're giving themselves more answers. And that's the thing we've talked about for a long time now is they've run out of answers at portions of the game or based on scheme teams are giving them. And now they have more of those. So that's an exciting that is the most exciting development from tonight. So, Mike, uh, that that's a lot of scheme, you know, like the specifics of what happened, which I really wanted to get to because I think it is. Like this is the first sort of breadcrumbs of where this season might be taking us, but kind of zoom out for us just as like a, a from the fan perspective, how sort of gratifying is it to see we thought that they would probably have to change this offense pretty significantly to to highlight Deshaun Watson's skill set, but we're seeing it now in in practice, even the hints of it. Uh, how exciting is that? Just to kind of think about what you know, it's going to look like in, in a few weeks when they're re- playing real football. I, I think from the conversations we have that you talk about, that we've talked about, I think we've spent so much time this off season talking about how the Browns are going to have to revamp the offense. And I think a lot of us, I think we hit the mark on so much of it, but I think sometimes we strayed away from it and we really focused on the, this team is going to have to really focus on becoming more of a pass heavy offense they're going to have to really dive into the modern NFL pass heavy. The run game is really going to have to be, you know, it's not an afterthought, but it's, it, you know, we can't be this run first team, whatever. And I think what Jake is saying here, and this is what should get Browns fans excited because just with the way the team is structured and with Nick Chubb back there and this offensive line that can still play, I think a lot of us as fans want the Browns to be a really good running football team running the football team and I think what Jake's talking about here is when we're talking about how they're going to restructure this offense it's it doesn't have to just turn into this pass first uh air raid you know completely forget about the run game let's run this thing 12 times a game and see what happens type offense I think sometimes that's what people were alluding to they have to really change to be part of this modern NFL and and Jake it was awesome listening to you talk right there because I think, you know, Nick Chubb ran for – Nick Chubb accounted for, what, 1,500 yards last year? Um, they they should be a better team at running the football this year. They are more – they're going to be more creative. They're going to have better looks. Doesn't mean you're not going to see more pass options. But, again, these plays that they have designed give them the option. We're going to run it. We're going to pass it. We're going to have that option on the field on the fly. Um, I, I, th- I think this team – I think this team is going to be I don't I don't know that I accounted in my head for how good I think they're going to be running the football this year. And yep. that I'm thrilled for that. Right. It's I, variation. I think... It's making defenses think. Mm-hmm. Like if mm-hmm. if they can predict and feel the things you do. Oh, hey, they're 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 three by one. They're going to run what's called stick. They're going to run a stick route by the number three guy. They're going to run a, a speed out by two and a vertical by one. This is what they do. Like if you know that they run slant flat constantly in this look and two by two. 
What yep. you have to do is make defenses think. And the thing that they have failed to do is add a viable run game from the shocks. The one thing that they have failed to do, they have not been able to do that add diversity. And if you make linebackers and safeties hesitate, it's, it's going to make such a difference. I'm just telling you, you wonder why things have felt compressed at times. It's because not necessarily the back level is always, it's because the second level has such a good feel for what they're going to do. And like I said, teams have gotten so good at defending wide zone because like half the league runs that stuff these days, or at least staple concepts of it. They see it in practice. They see it in camp and it's second nature. Like you saw, I think it was Kelamon there in the first quarter, like boot off of a, of a wide mm-hmm. zone. And it's like, hey, man, they're not biting on that the way they used to. Now, against Nick, you do because he sees the field so well and he will eat up a cutback lane pretty well. And you maybe say this week we're going to pinch that backside edge in a little bit. But, like, that's not enough to unlock your team for the whole season. So if you can make them defend interior run game from the gun and then you already have this level of comfort pushing laterally if teams want to play tight if you can tell that edge is kind of squeezing down from a nine to a seven to about a six eye like he's kind of squeezing or we feel like the three techs getting tight hey man we got easy seals let's pull the center and front side guard and buck sweep them to death and then we can come back and tight zone off of it oh okay we got a problem with that backside will linebacker let's just throw a slant read option at rpo right behind it the, the, the options become so obvious, and that's why we've been – I'm an idiot. And if I can see this <laughs> shit the way that we saw it in the last year and a half, like yeah. I'm just sitting there like we you – know, when Watson came back kind of around mm-hmm. that area saying, guys, their run game from the gun is bad, and you play so much shotgun offense these days. If teams can eliminate seven of ten run concepts because you just don't do them, that's such easy football. It's such yep. easy football. So think about layering in all of those play action concepts that you can do from the gun that unlock Watson's ability to drive the football into the second level, the backside dig stuff where the backside backers not hanging in the curl window. He's driving up playing the run for a split second because you're selling the knit. It's just the options just become a lot more abundant and we want them to create answers. Well, this is how you create answers. So it's just really good for them to put that on display They didn't do any of the fun stuff you can do off of it, and I don't expect them to do it, even when Watson plays a a couple series. I don't expect them to go crazy, but that baseline feel of what you saw tonight should be, again, what you see them running as baseline things week one when Cincy comes to Cleveland. I think that's a part of who they are. Yeah. I mean, some of these issues uh, in terms of feeling like at times against certain defenses, the run game was predictable and, and easy to snuff out. I think it goes all the way back to, to that uh, game against the Patriots in 21. I, I you know, this has been brewing for a while, as you kind of alluded to, Jake. And Brad, we're we're getting excited about some runs that we saw in the preseason by Demetric Felton, Hassan Hall, you know, a UDFA out of Georgia Tech. Uh, John Kelly had some nice runs. Think about this offense, this scheme with Nick Chubb, right? Who is the the it was getting yardage on plays that were blocked for zero and now he's going to hopefully be running into boxes that are a lot more conducive to him making one guy miss and eating up 15, 20 yards at a time. Yeah, um, and it's interesting. We, we talked about the numbers that reflected like uh, their success from the shotgun run last year were skewed by a bunch of big runs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jake, we talked about that and, and uh, that it really wasn't that successful. So it's exciting to think about just to have the answers to keep defenders honest 
And then what Watson will be able to do off of that, like just opening up what his options will be uh, as a runner, as a passer, RPO game, all the stuff you're talking about. But um, just to think about uh, what he will be um, when you have the answers and you can uh, keep those guys honest, because like you said, it does get predictable at times and, and they did. It, it felt very uh, you said compressed. It felt con- very restrictive or constricted at times, right? Um, and yeah. so, uh, yeah, it feels good uh, to hear Jake talk about things like that. And of course, uh, Nick Chubb is going to look fantastic, uh, you know, in those answers. So, uh, and and Watson running out of it too. I mean, I you know him his ability to use his legs and and off of that as well uh, will really really be like you know, when this thing hits its stride is when he's going to be running one way for 10 yards and Chubb's going to be going the other way. And then, you know, they're going to be able to throw off of that. And just the combination of it and what it opens up is very exciting. Um, yeah, altogether, it's uh, very good to hear Jake talk about it that way. Absolutely. Uh, I just want to address the deep threat thing there. I don't know if yeah, you can, go ahead. am I cutting out? There's a possibility I'm cutting out. Um, no, we the, hear you. The fine. deep threat stuff. The, okay, the deep threat stuff is is a good point, and it's it's a fair thing to say. And while you do appreciate a Marquise Goodwin being there, like that'd be great. Everybody is involved in the run fit in a defensive structure. There's a fit role for everybody. Sometimes, if it's a deep safety look. There will be times where one of the safety is not, he's kind of in a mop up, right? They call fix it duty. So like if the safeties feel, if the NFL is moving to too high shell stuff all the time, which is a lot, that's everyone's doing. It's going that way. Sort of Vic Fangio ruined that for us. Everybody's playing too deep. You have to be able to run the football to make safeties feel like they have to be a part of the run fit. If your front seven handle that, all the time and you can be late slow delayed to run fit then you're never going to i don't care if you put a same usain bolt out there you're not running but beyond people so what i'm saying and why i keep backtracking to where i am the browns failed so often in their in their general shotgun structure you know teams don't five seven step drop from under center so understand what i'm saying though the big plays that come from under center are on play action and that's a different conversation but what i am saying is Shotgun play action is originated and finds success because you're able to run from that look and you start to get safeties who feel like they have to get downhill and then you're able to mirror schemes and mirror, you know, everybody says make the run look like the pass. That's what you want to do and you can do it from the gun, but to do it from the gun, you have to be damn good at running it from the gun every once in a while without doing the same three things. That is the only thing that has found you to, to find success. Brad, you made a great point. We talked about it last year. Joe Thomas is actually one of the best on record public statements about run game efficiency and what it actually means and how it's actually staying on schedule. If you run, you know, seven carries for 95 yards and you run three, one, four, one, two, zero, and then you break one for 80 yards, that's not run game efficiency. It looks good in a yards per carry theory, but that's not run game efficiency. The Browns are seeking a way to just organically hand the football off from the gun for four or five yards. You saw that on display tonight, the way they were effectively able to do that. We'll see if it is something they can do when they get the real names out there, but that is something you should feel really good about. And then you say, how does a guy get deep? How does like a Keenan Allen or a Mike Evans, who aren't the fastest receivers in the world, 
Oh, it's because safeties are involved in stuff that makes them say, oh, shit. If you're not making safety say, oh, shit, because they've creeped too far, they've committed somewhere they shouldn't, then you're never going to find big plays downfield. So, again, all I'm saying in layman's terms here is like to boil it down too long, didn't read, shut up, Jake. They're doing the basic things from the from their offensive structure that we wanted to see, that we asked for, that they laid breadcrumbs for, Musgrave hiring, now putting 11 personnel in as they're kind of like – you know, that doesn't happen by mistake. Like you're, you, I know that the media does the depth chart, but they don't do that stuff by mistake. They get a general idea from the coaching staff. So, like, again, I just picture a world where you got all these different wrinkles and you're saying, okay, we're going to run this tight zone and we keep having this issue with the Will linebacker. Well, let's run Elijah Moore on this concept right behind that Will linebacker and make him eat it, right? Or let's run a double move, a little a little dino, a dino route on that safety who keeps cheating downhill. We'll sell to Nick. We'll pull off that run game, kind of boot watching it. You saw that little shotgun boot that they did tonight with, um, I think it was Kelamon through that interception. They kind of yep. moved the pocket a little bit. You're going to see that, guys. You're going to see a lot of that gun move the pocket stuff away from a route, and they're going to hit somebody on a double move, these, these guys that they have that can do it. And Cedric Tillman, I'll plant the seed on moving forward here. you got to feel good about yeah. Cedric Tillman. A lot of really positive stuff from him tonight. You can just yeah. sort of tell when a guy like, oh, he does the little stuff here and there. It's there. It's there. Yeah. And he's got the he's got the size piece too, where like he he's he's being able to move people around. So yeah, he, he was one of the guys that was eye opening for me. I want to I want to go around and do individual performances in a minute, but I do want to talk about the defense for a second because uh, you know, that's the other half of this, right? Jim Schwartz replacing Joe Woods. You know you're not gonna see a bunch of exotic scheme stuff in the preseason, but uh Brad, I'm gonna go back to you. Uh just defensively, what were some of your first impressions of seeing Jim Schwartz, his defense, some new some new faces, even though we didn't see you know some of the big name new faces, uh, but some young players that haven't been with the team before. Uh, yeah, just kind of talk through the defense and your impressions of it overall. Yeah, um, very vanilla stuff that you're going to see from them, base, whatever, right? But uh, I thought they did a really good job uh, playing the run. Like the linebackers did – very well i thought fields looked pretty good diabate missed a couple tackles but he was there to make the play a couple times um and you know we i've talked a lot about you know jake has led me down this road but to kind of his evolution of covering behind the wide nine here uh a little bit with um you know bringing a safety up or showing uh you know being able to play the run and have two safeties in coverage because like he would Jake was just talking about on the offensive side of the ball, you know, defenses feel they have to do that or else you're going to get picked apart. Right. So how can they be in quarters or show something else? Right. And um, it looked today like the safeties they had out there and even the young guys were shooting up the field when they needed to and making tackles. I was impressed by Bolden at times. I thought he took a really good angle uh, and made a tackle that he needed to. Uh, I thought that um, the most impressive uh, s- series was Bolden making that tackle to stop them from a first down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the play after that, they get a sack uh, from Isaiah Thomas, and then Cam Mitchell comes up and gets a PBU on the sideline. And it was this was right after they scored the first touchdown. The sideline was hype, man. So, yeah. you know, you hear – 
Schwartz talking about playing with swagger and all that stuff. He's talking about all that. You could see it. The sideline was fired up after that play because it was three <laughs> individual plays in a row mm-hmm. where they came up and made the play behind whatever happened in front of them and got off the field, and they were fired up after that play. Kim Mitchell, Kim Mitchell made a couple good plays. Uh, I thought he was he played nicely, uh, and Biggers made a nice break on the ball mm-hmm. late. So you've got some guys that are uh, that uh, are playing with some moxie, and I thought you saw in the second half a little bit of that swag from what we want this defense to see, especially in that one moment. Yeah, I Man, agree Jim, with you. Jim, Jim Schwartz is such a good TV coach, isn't he? He's <laughs> he a TV coach, man. About him, he's he going to be on TV. He's yeah. going to be on like TV boom. more than Stefanski. That, That's but right. that, you know, they they just got done talking to, to Miles Garrett about you know playing with swag or whatever, and then they get that interception. The whole team runs down. It's the end of the game. It seals the game. The flag comes out. Schwartz is down there giving a hard time. He's booing the official on the sideline even though the Browns had 35 dudes out on the field celebrating an interception. Uh, but yeah, like uh, that is the, I feel like we're just going to see that kind of stuff. Hopefully it's not stupid stuff, but I feel like we're just going to see that Jim Schwartz attitude and that swagger get, you know, just infect to the team, infect to the team. And I love the fact that he's going to be a TV coach. Um, yeah. It's just, night and day, uh, right, Mike? I mean, pre- oh, yeah. I know it's preseason, but it's still night and day. But it's just it's just a you know from a personality point of view, from a management point of view, if you were talking about this in, in for a company, mm-hmm. uh, let alone a football team, to Joe Woods, whatever, was too similar to Kevin Stefanski right. when it comes to even keel, laid back. And again, I like that about Kevin Stefanski, but I don't want all of my coaches on my team. I don't want all the people I work with or work for or whatever to have the same approach and same attitude. Right. This dude brings another voice, a new voice, and it and it's jarring, right? It's like, whoa, who's this guy? Uh, and that's, you know, we can talk about, maybe you don't think that's the biggest deal, but I think it's a huge deal. I think it's a yeah. huge deal to have a different voice and a different sound coming from that coaching staff. I think offensive players will pick up on that. Yeah. I, I think I think his swagger is going to infect the entire team. They got to be able to control it, but I think it's going to infect more than the defense. It, it makes a big difference in in this way. And I'll just I'll be real quick about this. But when coaches teach cornerbacks, it, they have to have a short memory, no memory, right? Like it has to be play to play. Like they have to play with the utmost confidence and swagger. Cause especially at the NFL level or college level, you're going to get beat. Like you're going to get beat and you can't get in your head. So you have to be able to come back with the same confidence you had to play before, whether you got beat or not, or else you don't stand a chance, right? If you let one play affect the next, you're done. Right. And that's just a cornerback's mentality. So when the entire defense starts to play with that mentality, it's refreshing and it's easier to root for than what we saw last year. Uh, last thing I want to say, because we were talking about individual on, on defense, I think uh, a lot of people are going to talk about guys like Tony Fields because uh, he played well. Uh, mm-hmm. But I will say, I think early in the game, I think there were a couple disruptive players from guys that we are almost sick of talking about because they haven't been disruptive at all. Uh, Tommy Togi, I was out there throwing guys around there early in that game. He wasn't perfect, and he had some eh, plays, but there were moments with Tommy Togi that 
he was pushing multiple guys around. So I liked a little bit of that. There was a little fire there. It just feels like he never plays with fire. And uh, in this game, it felt like he played with a little bit of fire early in the game. Uh, and I'll tell you, Alex Wright made a couple of really nice plays early in the game as well. He made one tackle, catching up to a running back from mm-hmm. behind after breaking two through two blockers. Uh, there are just certain individual plays that got me like, I was like, oh, maybe Alex Wright can be a player because that was that was a really nice play early in the game. Jordan Elliott got dominated right yeah. in front of everyone. <laughs> he, he could do that. Yeah, so, so I, I, Jake, unless you have any scheme stuff on the defense, if it looked pretty vanilla to me, but I'm certainly not the world's expert on uh, much. Uh, it, it, you, guys it, wa- it was... you guys watch it. like They, they zoom in. I mean, you can't see. You just can't right, see right, defensively. Right, Offensively, right. you get a bigger glimpse, but like right. on the snap, they zoom in so much. You have, there's no idea. We have no idea. And I told, yeah. I kind of wanted to reiterate about Schwartz that like the front and the baseline of how they align will look pretty similar to what they've mm-hmm. done in mm-hmm. the past uh, with, with yeah. Joe Woods because Joe Woods would do some wide nine and different variations of that mm-hmm. stuff too. So I think the blitz stuff that they do will be different. What they do with yeah. their blitz. Every NFL team has a blitz package that they will not even tip their cap on any of it in the preseason. Yeah. But that's the stuff we would be like, oh, okay, that was fun. That was different. Third and six, third and 10, third and 12. They'll do some of that really funky stuff. I think that they'll get really fun about that. But yeah, I mean, that's going to be tomorrow. We'll get the all 22. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely try to dig into I, I uh, structurally if that feels different. Did notice that Schwartz couldn't help himself and threw a blitz at Strebler on that last yes. fourth third or fourth <laughs> yeah. and long you know blitz diabate got him free up the middle so he, they're he's, there to he's, win he knows that. yeah you know yeah, he, you gotta yeah, win he's, the game. he's got that he's got that edge to him and he wants yeah he wants the uh hall of fame trophy <laughs> or whatever they get uh okay so let's let's do um see if we can restrain ourselves to one player we were excited to watch and then one player that that kind of we noticed not doing the things that you would want to see from an nfl player uh brad i'll go to you first Okay, uh, I was excited. Uh, boy, I've got a got so. Well, if you have to consult your notes, I'll just go to here. Mike. No, no, I'm I'm good. <laughs> I can roll with it. I'm going to say I was the most excited and impressed tonight. Uh, I'm not going to say Tillman because that's you know he was he was very good, but I'm going to say Felton surprised me. Like okay. I've been down on him. He looked explosive, quick and uh decisive right very good decide one cut right like yeah. he got there yeah. made a cut and went upfield not no dancing very well said andrew and the person that um i was disappointed in i guess or or didn't i would just say that uh Cade york uh still continues yeah. to uh yeah. I was just hoping you'd come out there and stripe that first one and we could get on some good momentum. Not that he can't <laughs> fix it, but like, mm-hmm. I mean, to come out there and push that one right was kind of uh, not ideal. That's we missed well it. He had another points. issue yeah. on one where, where he, he struck, I thought he struck the ball well in this one, but he's mm-hmm. having an issue with the secondary flight where it's yeah. right. He's Eight driving movement. it well. And then he had Spin. one where he had, a, a pull action on it and yeah. another mm-hmm. one he had a push action and yep. it's like you know listen i'm very familiar with this from from trying to golf so i understand yeah. the <laughs> element here but i will say this like he needs an inside watched, out leg movement inside yes. out well, I, I listen there it, it's a pendulum it's all the same it really is a lot of those elements cross over but i'll say like zerline if you watch zerline he is like it's it's wherever it's starting, he's putting it into that that same similar spot. So like, right. What I mean is, 
you know, oftentimes guys will push it where the trajectory you can see where it's going. Like he's going halfway and then the ball is moving half at like a halfway point. It's very strange. So, I mean, some guys know their natural swing path and like, hey, I'm kind of a draw kicker or a, a, a fade kicker, whatever. But there's there's concern there about like why he's getting that action late in kicks because that's if you if you don't know where that thing's going, you ask any golfer that question. Like that's the worst feeling in the world of I don't know where this thing is going. Like even like the professionals Every are talking time. about that when they're when they're struggling. It's like I just don't know my I don't know my miss. I don't know my right. miss. So yeah. that's the element of K that is concerning and and uh, you know the Browns still have that tweet that lives in infamy about uh, that. That's why you draft a kicker after the yeah. Carolina game last yeah. year, a little premature. So Cade's got to figure it out. And it is, I think, it is something that we will revisit. Not to hijack Brett's point. I'm sorry, guys, but like. They decided not to bring in a kicking right. competition that's it. for him. That's it. And that's yep. like, is that, did you guys make the right choice? Because there's some talented names still just out there on the free agent kicker list that they might have to, like, they might have to. You have to make kicks, man. You got to make yep. them. Yeah. So they I don't, they don't have, yeah, they don't have enough slack this year to be like, well, we'll let this fourth round kicker from last year figure it out on the fly during, during the regular season. They, it just can't mm-hmm. happen uh mike you uh player you like player you uh i don't want to say disliked right but uh we're yeah just a little oh no i'm gonna about. i'll give you a full-on player i disliked it's fine. right uh i i'm gonna give a couple honorable mentions on the like so because he, uh, i don't know whether we're just gonna get into cedric tillman maybe on a full-on conversation but yeah i mean i you have to say you have to say his name when we're going around and brad sure. did and i'm gonna do the same thing uh uh this is a guy that uh I feel by the end of this preseason, by watching practices and watching preseason games, I feel like we're all going to feel like this is a guy that can contribute pretty, pretty nicely for this team this year. And watching him out there tonight, I it made me feel more like that than before. So, uh, also honorable mention, Dewan Jones. Uh, it was a controversial selection when they picked him. Yeah, he looked really good out there. Uh, that bo- that boy moves his feet mm-hmm. for. For looking like a, a whole ass motorhome out there, he moves his feet, man, uh, and he does a really good job of keeping the the pass rushers out of his body. He keeps them away from him. He uses his arms well. Uh, I really liked watching him, uh, but I, I, I'm I think I've turned into a John Kelly like. Do they still use the term Stan? Can I still well, be one of those? We're going I don't to. Know. We're going to do it. Am I a John Kelly Stan? I twelve oh five. I feel like after so many years of it being like Chubb and Hunt and Dearness Johnson, right? Like John Kelly goes into these preseasons and he's like, well, I'm just going to play hard and see what happens. I feel like he might have his eyes a little bit wider this year thinking, uh, there is no Kareem Hunt anymore. There is no Dearness Johnson. There is Chubb and Ford. And then we don't know. I really like the way that guy runs. I like the way he has run in every preseason. Um, and I, I I would not mind seeing that dude be on this roster as the third running back. So uh, yeah. I really, you know, he's he's off to another blazing start. Uh, and yeah, I don't care about saying I don't like him. It's Anthony Schwartz, dude. You get, you get the ball <laughs> one time, you get tackled once. You get one time, you get tackled, and the mm-hmm. ball's out. Mm-hmm. The dude, the dude isn't a football player. He is... Yep. He is a roller coaster enthusiast, and I feel like he could have a very, yep. very successful vlog on that. And he mm-hmm. can go across the country riding yep. roller coasters. 
Very get rarely do you get tackled field. hard when you're a roller coaster enthusiast. Very, guy, very yeah, rarely. And no choice. Or he's not going to lose the ball on a roller coaster. I didn't I'm, know I'm that sorry. about him. He's a yeah. roller coaster oh, big enthusiast. Time. Big time. Mm-hmm. I did yeah. see that big. Cedar Point had to shut down a coaster today. I don't know which one. It was at the top yes. of the hill. You try to blame Schwartz for that. Down. Yeah, yeah I don't, sure. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> the button. It's a <laughs> weird coincidence. They had to saying. climb down, I think, all the people or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, I would just vomit. Yeah, listen, I don't. I hate. I no longer feel like. I've always kind of felt like we're piling on to Schwartz. I no longer feel like that. Like, my man, you just don't have it. It's just not there. Sorry. Yep. Hey, real I'm quick comment. Put this fumble for people to understand. Before you, no, before you're not you alone, get, Mike. Before you take the show go ahead, back, go. Uh, for me, I'm gonna hijack it for a minute. Uh, go, go, go. So I made a big deal out of this at before the uh, um, uh, game started, and I saw you mentioned it too, Andrew. But uh, why was Jacob Phillips not playing tonight? Like that yeah. out of that list, that name just glared to me. Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is he not playing? Like he should be having to earn a roster spot. A, B. Uh, there's no way he should be solidified enough to be sitting. C. I don't think there's an injury there to keep him on the sideline. So yeah, that's the only thing is that if maybe he picked something up in a walkthrough or you know wasn't feeling well or hard to know, fathom sickness or something. But yeah, if it's a <laughs> if it's a situation where he they, they're keeping him off the field because they think that he's done enough, that's I, I literally do not believe that. I I, I refuse Agreed. to believe that. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's one to watch. I think certainly after the game. Uh Jake, your uh your favorite player or, or player you like, player you didn't like? I would I would say that with any new coordinator, there's gonna be some guys that you didn't think they liked from the previous it's I'm just saying with Jacob Phillips, I don't really I haven't really loved his tape. He's had some moments in games. Mm-hmm. But it is possible that they like him. I'm just just saying that the, the for this different thing yeah, they're trying no, to you. do with linebackers, yeah. Yeah. it's possible. Um, to, is to, there's a lot. Sure. There's a lot of guys. I think we need to kind of say something about uh, from the good side. I thought Tony Fields, who's who's proven he can now play multiple linebacker positions, played really fast, aggressive football. Really liked it. I would say that the linebacker group in total stood out. Uh, someone in the chat, I cannot remember who tried to spell Jordan Kunizic, and it was awful. I'm sorry, man. It was so bad. Uh, but it's yes, almost as bad as your pronunciation. Kunizic. There you go. So, um, wait, am I screwing up his name? It's Kunasic. Kunasic. No, no, he doesn't. It's even a, say it's it that a way. ch. I, I saw the pronunciation he, chart. He doesn't C-H. even say it that way himself. I've heard him oh. say his own name. So oh, I made that up. Uh, anyway, moving on. <laughs> yeah. So I would say uh, Kunasic uh, is uh, since I've embarrassed myself in full here is uh, it played fine. Charlie Thomas. Yeah. I, we you referenced yeah. him earlier, Andrew. Yeah. Some some real heat seeking type of plays. He had some on that college tape. I know Pete Smith's been vocal about him. He turned me on to like watching some of his tape. Um, really seems like a guy who has a chance to be a, a practice squad and work his way type. Um, I would say that also, Brad, you mentioned uh, Diabate. I thought he had some moments where he was in the right spot around the football. I, I just really felt like the linebacker group. If you're talking about, hey, what thing can you take away? You know, what thing can you take away from the defense? I thought the linebackers played in a very aggressive fashion, yep. more so than we have seen from them yep. traditionally. So some of the things that you've heard, talking points from Tarver and Schwartz, I thought carried into the game a little bit in that fix it mindset that they're trying to have with those guys. So um, that's kind of it defensively, not really anything else. I thought Cam Mitchell had a couple slot snaps you'd like. 
I mean, offensively, you have to say Dorian Thompson Robinson. I know you could say it's a second half. It's a little, you know, there's a chance. Like the guys on this team really respect him. If you look at what the guys are saying, there's a level of respect that this guy can play. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is even saying it. Like this guy can play. And I thought that the things you want him to do well, which is feel pressure, he did a great job at it. He was really, really adept with tempo. And I think that's the thing you watch with these quarterbacks is like, what is their tempo? Do they look rushed? Do they feel uncomfortable doing the basic endeavors of quarterback play? And you did not get that vibe from him at all. He looked fast. He looked very comfortable. He drilled that like third and well, it was a third and 16. But it was like a second and 16. Uh, that deep dig over the middle of the field is a really great anticipatory throw. You like that. Obviously, the slant was good. I know there was some conversation about like him being nervous about going from Chip Kelly's signal-based offense to going into a verbiage based offense in the huddle it seemed like they didn't have any delay of game issues or anything Mm -hmm. like that everything you would want to have from dtr i think was really strong i think he was pretty good with the football placing some of those tight second level throws they do a lot of those i was talking earlier stick routes and and quick hitches and some of those things they do that are very timing based he was really good at that stuff he stands out to me as a guy that was the most impressive on the night in his nfl debut and if it continues, which I think it will, because they're going to bring him along slowly, you really do feel like there's a chance for him to be something. Whether that something is here or whether that something is something in return, send him off somewhere else, that's an encouraging thing. Again, you you can just, with these guys, you can just tell. And you could really tell with him, like, oh, so what people are saying, both players, com- competition, uh, people watching these practices, you, there's something here. So we'll, we'll just keep our eye on that. That was impressive. Um, and we, we've, we've mentioned Tillman. I thought he played really well. And then, yeah, I mean, on the Schwartz thing, like he can't do the basic parts of the position. He just has never been able to do it. And it's like expecting that to, I, I personally think, and this is no disrespect to him. He's a world-class runner. He should go run. He should go run and make a lot of money doing that. Cause this is not for him. It's just not like the basic little parts of the game. He can't figure out. And it's a confidence thing. You can tell his confidence is at an all time low, it's just not working out, man. So, like, I, I think there's more things for him to be doing that he can make money off of because he can really run and hope he figures that out and finds happiness in life wherever that takes him because it's a, it's a, it's been a hard mental journey for him. So, again, a lot of positive to me in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, Want to rewatch it and we'll try to do that at the OBR and break it down. But but you feel you feel pretty good about a lot of the positives. So Dewan Jones played every snap. He played every snap because Tyrone Wheatley was hurt and they just didn't have enough. I think they worked out two offensive tackles this week, so they're going to bring somebody in by sheer evidence of their bringing bodies in to work out. They need it, and I think that after the game, Stefanski mentioned it was a numbers thing for the reason he played the whole game. But he looked good. I thought he looked good. Yeah. I thought Siaka Ika had some moments of splitting some double teams and he did. taking two bodies. I thought they actually anchored the front part of the line of scrimmage for the first time in a while i thought it was yep. pretty encouraging so mm-hmm. you know a lot a lot of good here guys a lot of good for a game that means absolutely nothing we won't remember but you also want to leave it with some positive vibes and i think we're leaving with some positive vibes yeah i i think i might be out of players that played well that i can name check but uh i will say i thought james hudson had a few nice moments too uh, in his yeah. few series as well which is you know those guys are the tackle depth now right uh, the, I, i've been saying this a lot this week but chris hubbard is gone uh you know uh joe Haig didn't stick with the concussion issues so if something were to happen to jack conklin or jed wills it would be either james hudson or dewan jones so you want to see those guys play well this preseason because they are going to need to be involved for the browns this year 
if there is an injury. So um, that that was kind of one of the areas I was watching most closely. Uh, as far as you know, a, a disappointment. The the name I haven't heard is Dalen Baldwin. Uh, he had those formation penalties, and then there yeah. was one one uh, play where he had a formation penalty and then ran the route, got open, and dropped the ball, and then he left with an injury. So not yeah. a great night for Dalen. You know, I, I'm not trying to pile on. He had shown a lot from what everybody had said through the first week and a half of training camp. I think he's got the size speed stuff that, you know, could make him an NFL receiver. That's not, you know, you never really want to see that happen where you're making mental mistakes and then compounding it with, you know, a drop and then the injury that it just, it's a tough way to start, you know, uh, what I thought was an outside chance to, to make this roster because of the shuffling yeah. that they're having sort of at the back of the wide receiver position. So I, I do want to just kind of go around. I mean, I know Jake touched on DTR and, and, you know, his sort of, I mean, it's you know often in preseason games it does kind of just come down to how good the quarterback is because some of these guys can do it and some of them can't and the Browns really illustrated that tonight with Kellen Mond in the first half and DTR in the second half like it was as about as night and day as it gets in terms of just like confidence decision making and and the it factor right I mean it's it's a weird thing to talk about this much but the it factor was present for DTR and in the first half with Mond things were we're sloppy and a little bit uh, disjointed, Brad, right? Uh, yeah, Mond, uh, I mean, the inner, he lo- looked very uncomfortable. He looked wide-eyed and uh, kind of overwhelmed. And that interception he threw would have been intercepted three times before it got to the receiver if the first two didn't get it. So uh, just a really bad read there. Listen, I was incredibly impressed with uh, DTRs, like, not just how well he played, but like I was thinking coming in, like just have him go out there, get in and out of the huddle and hope he looks comfortable. Right. Like in this situation. And he looked more than comfortable. And not only that, he energized the whole stadium like immediately. So, I mean, the guys obviously got, you know, you know, I didn't know a ton about DTR, but I had to admit the first interview I did hear with him, he's very likable. So all these people are talking about that. Then he goes out on the field and brings this kind of electricity. You have to think like, I mean, the guy does have something. He has like that it kind of factor. You get that feeling from him, right? So yeah. uh, let's hope that that continues. I was just happy to see how comfortable he looked on the field because Mond looked the opposite. And right. and I don't know what's going to happen with Mond, but uh, I mean, at this point, I'd be fine with Dobbs and DTR getting all the reps and let Mon do whatever. I don't know. You can hold the clipboard, you know, as far as the rest of the preseason goes, unless you just, just need somebody to go out there and take snaps, but uh should be the DTR show the rest of the way. Um, and then uh, other than that, you know, I felt good about the defense. I felt good about some of the receivers. Nice. Sammy, Sammy's cousin with a touchdown at the end. How about that? Austin mm-hmm. and a good route too. It's a nice uh, Mike, Mike, you're a little bit of a what's the opposite of a connoisseur? Uh, a connoisseur. You're a, you're a Kellen Mond connoisseur. Yeah, that's right. Uh, nah, who cares? I don't want to talk about Kellen Mond. Too. Oh, okay, great. Who gives a shit about Kellen? Great. Mond? Uh, no offense to Kellen Mond. No, Seems like yeah, a nice yeah. guy. Good dude. He looks he's like a fellow he's in Aggie, so I like him. Like he's got the he's got that yeah. like look on his face all the time. Uh, yeah, I just like, can't. Like, I, he, no, Kellen Mond's not good. Week week one of Kellen Mond mm-hmm. is here. I will eat the hat that I am wearing. Uh, when it comes to DTR, I don't want to. Uh, yeah, I do not want to have this uh, on tape. Oh yeah, it's yeah. out there for the world. 
for the world. But I'm a hungry guy, so it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, you don't want to go too crazy. But here's here's when I think about DTR's performance tonight, I, I was actually looking at him compared to some of the thought, things that we saw from former New York Jets first-round pick Zach Wilson earlier in the game, right? <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, here's this guy who surprises a lot of people when the Browns announce his name in the fifth round. And nobody really knows what to expect. And Brad, you're, you're right. I think more people were probably concerned about, is this guy going to be able to handle a huddle and, and get things going on time and not have delay games and things like that. It, it was the, how many times Zach Wilson did it a couple times and, and they, they were talking about it on the broadcast. He, a, a big criticism of him is this, if his first read isn't there, tucks runs, yep. he's gone. And yep. he's, and he's always in trouble because he's not fast to get out of trouble. And then I'm watching DTR out there, and to me, the, the most impressive throws that he made, and they weren't all completions, but there were a few times where he has guys just on his back. Just there is pressure right on him everywhere, and he stands in and makes a throw on, on, his, on his third read down the field. Uh, that, to me, was, was as impressive as him getting out on the run. We know he can do that. Him throwing that that kind of vicious block that he threw where he just chucked his body in to spring a touchdown. Don't want to see that too often. Uh, he The hustle and all that was really impressive. But for me, that presence in the pocket to stand there and make a throw in your first experience in the NFL. And again, you're playing end of the roster defenders. Uh, but that poise in the pocket was something that I don't know that I was ready to see out of him. And he... Put it on full display tonight. That that was super impressive to me. I just thought of something. Um, a guy that I was a little disappointed in that I haven't mentioned yet. I think it's worth mentioning. A guy that have uh, you know Fred talked about a little bit earlier or yesterday. Sorry, uh, not earlier. Last night on the show, and a guy that I was kind of high on uh, in the secondary, Thomas Graham. Uh, mm. kind of disappeared and then got burnt by on that uh, uh, go route uh, that Zach Wilson made him look like a a stud there for a minute uh, as he laid that one out there. But so you know, I was kind of hoping that Graham, uh, who had reportedly been playing well in the slot, uh, was going to show uh, out well here in this one, uh, and he did not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. There, I mean, I think that. Uh... For what there's, it's worth, yeah, no, there, there. Somebody in chat was saying something about Isaiah McGuire being a little bit anonymous as well, and you know, it is, it is that situation where not every you got ninety players on the roster, not everybody's going to have a highlight of their own, you know, in a, in a preseason game. So, I think you know, we we kind of talked through a lot of the highlights. I mean, to, to me, it's it's the rookie class in general, and then you're talking specifically about Tillman because of the effect that he's going to have on the season, hopefully, right? That to be another viable big big body target for Deshaun Watson and this passing offense. And then it's, you know, some of the depth that they may have added here where, you know, that some guys that honestly, you know, have done, uh, you know, some attention grabbing stuff early on in a way that some of the guys that came in in 2020 or 21 didn't do as much. So it's, I think it's a, it's a, a heart heartening sign. Certainly. I want to talk uh, as we kind of wrap things up here uh, about, Sort of, you know, what comes next? Obviously, uh, they're back in practice in Berea over the weekend and and through next week, and then they've got 
the commander's in next Friday night, so they've got eight days before their next game. Um, Jake sort of already spoke to the fact that they might need to bring in another tackle to sort of address depth there. You know, there was the Shelby Harris visit earlier this week, and then you saw Jordan Elliott getting a fair number of snaps and, and as Brad mentioned, not looking that great. So, you know, does that spur them on to more action in the defensive tackle room? Uh, you know, the, there's another wide receiver injury potentially tonight. So does that change things in that room? Uh, whether it's personnel moves or uh, changes to the depth chart, changes to, you know, who's getting practice reps, those sorts of things. Is there something that you're sort of looking out for over the next week as we head into that, uh, what would normally be the first preseason game against the Commanders next Friday night? Jake? Man, I hope you didn't come to me first, but I will answer it. Um, I would say uh, I, I'm curious if they will continue to to stick Ronnie on the left side and Dewan on the right side. I, I would mm-hmm. be curious if they have any interest in Dewan trying some left hat. I know he only did – a very brief early in his career stint there at left tackle to Ohio State. He was predominantly a right tackle. But I'm just sort of curious if that is something that they would entertain. So uh, that is something that I will be uh, that I will be closely watching. Obviously, we all want to see if there's going to be more guys getting out there and playing next week. That's obviously right. a huge part of it because the list of guys out tonight and not playing was relatively crazy. Excessive, so, yeah, yeah, I, I don't I don't. It, to me, it's just I'm always kind of drawn to what what they're going to do schematically. You know me, mm-hmm. so that's yeah. Are you going to be able to get up to a few of those training camps as well and have some some? Yeah, I'm going to try to go Sunday, Sunday, Monday. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to go to both of those and sit up in the stands and try to watch this. If you're there on Sunday or Monday, try to uh, try to find me and probably yell at me or something like that. I'll be there sitting. I try to sit up high so I can see everything happening and unfold. Adopt a dog in his name and send him home with it. Yep, there you go. That's right. Jake's the way to do it. Yep. I already have uh, a puppy, guys. Come on, man. You're killing me. <laughs> the puppy needs a friend. Brad, uh, anything you're kind of looking forward to, expecting, uh, wondering about as as the training camp rolls on and we inch closer towards the season? Well, you know, we saw Yannick Ngakwe get signed during the game tonight uh, for $10.5 million, and that makes me want the Browns to go ahead and finish this roster by signing a defensive tackle. It would make me feel so much better about just the entire situation. So that is something to monitor. As far as at practice, I don't expect much to change. And to be honest, guys, I really don't know. We'll probably see some more guys suit up against Washington but I don't see think we'll see a real ton of a difference as far as like I don't think we're gonna see starters play against Washington. That's just the feeling I get from Stavansky because you got Philly the week after, right? And then you got that game. I don't know the way this schedule sets up in the preseason. It's kind of weird, and with the week off before week one, I think we may not see Deshaun until like. Maybe a couple series in Philly and then maybe a, a couple series in Kansas City and that's it? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah, I think I, I think there's a, actually a better chance that Deshaun plays against the Commanders just because I think they've been pretty clear that the, the practices with Philly, the, the ones get yeah. their work during the practices and then that, that's another glorified scrimmage uh, against Philly. So they're really going to have two games in this preseason calendar that are, that are kind of glorified scrimmages. So that'll be the second one. Uh, so yeah, I think there's a, I think there's a, I would say a slim chance that we see maybe a series or two from Watson. Uh, but I, I, 
you know, I'm certainly not going to hold my breath because Stefanski has, has always erred on the side of caution with these things. Yeah. Uh, Mike, I'll go to you. Anything uh, kind of tickling the back of your brain between now and uh, next Friday? I mean, I, I feel like I've been reloading Twitter all the time, just just like looking up Shelby Harris's name. And and so hopefully that is mm-hmm. something that does come to fruition. Uh, listen, uh, we talked about it earlier, but one thing that I'd be interested to watch is do you bring a kicker into camp now? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I mean, you, yeah. you you still basically have your full camp. Uh, you, you had your one extra game, but your kicker looked real shaky in that extra game. Uh, and there's been the first rumblings of Andrew Barry uh, being willing to part with some players that he brought in. Uh, so Cade York, uh, you know, does Cade York need to feel that pressure uh, in order to make himself better? So I'd be really interested to watch that. Uh, and then moving forward, let's, you know, I'd like to just not see some of these guys out there anymore. Like we can just, <laughs> we can stash. Gotta, gotta say, the- stock down on uh, Tom Benson stadium, no water after the game for showers. So mm. lights are going out in game and the showers are not functioning. So you just have a bunch of swelly, sweaty, smelly people uh, boarding up buses and stuff. So that's, I, never I have a fun. feeling Aaron Rodgers is fine with that. Mate, major yeah, just, just like his trip to yeah. the Amazon. Exactly. Aaron Rodgers is uh, looking closer and closer to like a uh, I don't even know how to describe what he looks like anymore, like a a, a retired magician or something. With the, <laughs> I, I don't even get he just how'd that quarter get there? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the hell? He did that like, to Michelle Tafoy on the sideline one time. <laughs> Michelle, pick a card. Like, let's get out of here. Joe Namath is still trying to kiss people over there. Yeah. Susie Culver's running away. He does look oh, a little fantastic. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. He is. It's, I was, shouting at my leathery, television a little leathery. bit when when he was doing That's his right. uh 25 minute gaze. interview during the third quarter uh just just i cannot wait for that to fall apart in new york i'm i'm rooting against him so hard it's not even funny cannot the wait funny for, thing to, about the, for them to be one and three the 25 minute interview is like who is this aaron Rodgers? like that's not the same guy that interviews on McAfee. So, I mean, right. he, it's a different yeah. person every time he does an interview. I'm like, who no, the hell is this? Part of his ma- his persona, he's, his performing. Yeah. He doesn't know. That's the funny thing. Going in, yeah. he's got no That's idea. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. He's just saying what he thinks people oh. want to hear. What's it's pretty that? transparent and it's pretty gross, and I don't like him very much. Yeah. Uh, I think we're good here, unless anybody, you guys want to do a round of last thoughts? No, I think we're good. Uh, thank you all for joining us. We've done an hour on a post game for a hall of fame game show. So, you know, uh, we must be, uh, crazy or desperate for, and there are hundreds of people here after. Yeah. No, amazing. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, we, we, I mean, the show is fun to do on its own, but it's, it's most fun because everybody's here hanging out with us. Chat was amazing tonight. A lot of great questions, a lot of great comments. I'm sorry that we didn't get to the majority of them, but we will, uh continue on with our uh obr stream schedule uh brad you're doing a special show tomorrow night right yeah so if you want to join us at seven o'clock and you have questions about the browns or nfl gambling this season or fantasy football questions i am doing my gambling and fantasy football special at 7 p.m with the guys from the sports gambling podcast uh sean green and ryan kramer they're excellent. They're handicappers. They're good at fantasy football. They're hilarious too. So uh, come and join us uh, right your, here at seven. Is your under cash tonight, Brad? 
Uh, no, actually, like it's uh, over. The yeah. it got over, and yeah. it's like the first Trucks. time the Hall of Fame game has gone over yeah. in freaking yeah. well, years. Blame DTR, right? That's how it works. Yeah. DTR uh, got me again. Yeah, sorry for putting you on the spot there. there from, from Andrew. I don't feel like it's all. Like, hey, gambling uh, is a tough business. That's I, I, I feel I, like I, he damn well knew that it went over when he asked me that. <laughs> I feel like he'd done the math in his head. I feel like the math was already done. Yeah, it's not that complicated yeah. of a math. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, uh, and then uh, Mike and I will be here on Monday night too. Uh, we'll we'll definitely talk Hall of Fame game and whatever Browns news happens over the weekend. We'll have you up to date on Monday night, and then a full slate of shows next week. I'm not going to go through the whole schedule. You get the idea. We're around. If you like this, you like that. Come back and see us again sometime. <laughs> for Mike, for Jake, for Brad, for Ian behind the scenes. Thank you, Ian, for staying up with us. Uh, thank you all for joining us and staying up with us. Uh, have a great night. Go Browns, and we will see you uh, soon on the OBR Streaming Network. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.